Thank you so much for standing. That's awesome. They're going to make their way off. And we're going to jump into the Word. How many are ready for the Word this morning? How many are ready for the Word this morning? Come on. Hey, listen, we're in the middle of a series right now. It's called Truth Be Told. And what we're trying to do is look at some challenging and complexing questions that face every single one of us. And if you've lived long enough, you know that we're living in difficult times and challenging times. And when you just think about what's happening around us and some of the the things that we're facing, um, it really helps if we know the truth, if we can answer some really tough questions. And over the past few weeks, we've been answering uh, a few questions and we've been talking about some doozies. Week number one, we talked about this whole idea, is God really good? Second week, we talked about Um, why does God allow pain and suffering? If you didn't get a chance to listen to those, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them. Uh, Last week we talked about what does the Bible have to say about sex? And I know that a lot of you just ran out to hear that one. That's a good thing to talk about. Um, We're so excited that uh, we got to be able to talk about actually what the Bible says about this beautiful thing called sex. And, um, you know, we're just scratching the surface. We're just real. I mean, there's, there's so many challenging, complex issues that we face today. And um, we're really just trying to get God's perspective to really help us stand confidence when there's so many voices and opinions and perspectives. So this morning, we're going to dive in and we want to talk about another question. And I actually believe that this particular question can dictate your destiny. It's perhaps one of the most important questions you could ever ask, and it's this. Does church really matter? Here's the question. Does church really matter? And you know, throughout the ages, there's been lots of perspectives and there's been lots of opinions on this particular subject. I am thankful that there are still some today that say that the church is the will and purpose of God and that it's critical and important and foundation in their life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But we're running into a lot of people today that actually think that church, and we're going to define it in a moment, is actually irrelevant or boring or optional. I remember talking with a pastor and a guy had walked into a coffee shop and he was working on his message and he's writing some notes in the corner and this guy walks up and says, hey, are you a Christian? He goes, well, actually, I'm a pastor. He goes, really, where? And he says, well, right around the corner, the community church. And the guy goes, I'm a member there. And the pastor says to him, he says, I've never seen you before. He says, I told you I'm a member, not an attender. Yellow. Some would actually say that the church is a building. Some would say it's an organization or a man-made institution. I had a friend in Lake Tahoe that actually thought church was walking out in the woods and hugging trees. There's even people today that would say this about church, that it's actually a serious threat to society and it should be removed. And so as we look at all of these different thoughts and ideas that are floating, I think it's real important for us to understand a couple of things about what the church is not, 
before we understand actually what the church is. And, and here's some things that are real important to understand, although it's in our common vernacular all the time, is that the church is not a building. It's just not a building. My church is the big domes up on the hill. My church is the church as you go down Old Farm Road right there next to the baseball fields in Eugene. It's just like, that's my church. That isn't your church, that's a building. The church is not something I attend. Hey, let's go to church. Church isn't something you go to, it's something that you are. Here's another thought that people think about. The church is not a weekend add-on. That kind of we gotta just kind of fit in this 75 minutes so I can do the rest of my life. Maybe we can do brunch and maybe we can slide in and out. It's not something you attend. It's not a building. It's not just something that you add on. And the church, here's one. I'm sorry about this. The church does not exist just to feed me and serve me. I I love talking to people that say this. They say, well, you know, I really didn't get anything out of the service. And I love to say to them, well, maybe it's because you didn't put anything into it. I'm sorry. Did I just say that? Did I just say that? Somehow we think that the church exists for us. No, we exist for God. And so it's so important to understand as we dive into the word today that this is not what the church is. I I read this quote by a guy. His name's James Emery White. He's the author of a great book, Rise of the Nuns. I'd encourage you to read it. He says this about society today. He says, with jaw-dropping vigor, Ignorance and at times unblushing gall, increasing sectors of society are abandoning 2,000 years of ecclesiology as if the church is some malleable human construct that can be shaped, altered, redefined, or even disposed of as desired. How sad it is that that's happening today. Like we have the option to define something that God created. Our society's doing that. We're trying to define things such as sanctity of human life. We we wanna try to define things like marriage. How about gender identity? And we throw in it, by the way, the church. As if we have the right to try to define something that God actually created. And again, regardless of where you stand on this question, I think that we can all agree with this very, very important thought. What is the church and does it really matter? And so if you don't mind this morning as we get into the word, I'd actually like to use the Bible to kind of define what God has defined as the church, not what society has defined as the church. And so this word church, it actually shows up in the Bible multiple times, and in the Greek, it's a, a, translation, a translation of a word, ekklesia, ekklesia, and it's, it literally means this, the called out ones. The called out ones. And these two words, ek is the word out of, and the word kaleo actually means to call, that we were called out of something. In other words, we weren't just saved from something, we're saved for something. He pulled you, thank God, he pulled you out of the mire. 
He pulled you out of darkness. He saved you. He redeemed you. He cleansed you. And he gave you a purpose and a plan. He gave you a destiny. I'm glad the three of you are clapping. But listen, you're saved. And you're saved not from something, but you're saved for something. We're called out. And, and here's, I, I put this together and I want you to see this. This would be just a quick little proclamation statement. It's this, the church is not a building, the church is a people, God's people on a journey together to fulfill God's purposes and not their own. I'm just starting to preach now, come on. The church is not something you attend, it's but where you belong. The church is not something you do, it is who we are, we are the church. Come on, can I hear an amen? We're the church. The people of God are the church. And we see as we look at scripture, there's a couple foundation stones that are so important to understand. First of all is that the church is the will of God. And from the very beginning of time, God had the church in mind, and he, he created us as humans, and he allowed us to be a part of his unfolding story, to have an intimate, personal relationship with him, and to fill his purposes through him, in him, by him, and for him. Here's what Ephesians says, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, blessed be the Lord God, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Just stop and think about that. He gave us everything. In the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. According to the purpose of his will. He's had the church in mind from the very beginning. He had you in mind. He just didn't create you and put you on planet earth to just kind of save you and follow you around and make you feel happy and whole and nice and blessed. He, he actually created you to fulfill his purposes. That's the will of God. You take it one step further, we find that the church is the eternal purpose of God. See, God has one eternal purpose. It's his church. He, he, he hadn't made a mistake. It's not like where everything and we look all around us and things seem to be falling apart. Listen, from the very beginning, he had you in mind. He had the church in mind. And we're part of God's unfolding story that's right in front of us. And it's unfolding exactly as he's planned throughout the ages. Amen. And it's in his church that the purposes of God will come into reality through us. Listen to what Paul says in the next chapter, Ephesians 3, chapter 9 through 11. It says, I was chosen, this is Paul speaking, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan. He's talking about all of the ages. As the church now is coming into fruition in the New Testament. He's going, all of that that happened is leading up to this. 
that God, the creator of all things, had kept separate, excuse me, secret from the beginning, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Say, that's me. To use me, to use us, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all of the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's just stop and understand that God created us to serve him, to be a part of a family, to do great things for him. That is the will of God. It's the purpose of God. You are the will of God. You are the purpose of God. And I think understanding what what God says about the church should be one of the most single important reasons to why we exist. The church doesn't exist to serve you. We exist to serve him, us, the church, together as one family. And it's interesting, as as you get into the word, there's there's different kinds of attributes that you see in Scripture that God uses to define the church, to define us, the people. Tries to give us some natural analogies that really help us understand, and he's put it in creation so that we don't have any kind of a misunderstanding of what he tried to create in us and through us. And you see on the screen here, there's a diagram, and you see these five reoccurring attributes in Scripture that the Word of God uses to explain the church, that the church is a bride, The church is a body, the church is a temple, the church is a family, and the church is an army. And you start looking at every single one of these, and you begin to see a picture of what God had in mind when he created us to do life together, to be on a journey together as one. And as you think about this first one, about the bride talking about vertical relationship with him, just stop and you think about the idea of a bride and, and what the Word of God talks about. How, how many guys here today are married? Would you wave at me every campus? Put your hands up. You should, you should be say, oh yeah, I'm married. Be excited about it, right? Your wife is right next to you. You should be raising your hand. Come on. How many of you are madly in love with your wife? Come on. Should be the same hand. Same hand. Same hands. How many of you are willing to serve her and die for her every day? Same hands. Come on, guys. Same hands. Ladies, you can pay me later. (laughs) Listen to this, and I want you to catch this. Because Paul actually uses marriage to define the relationship of us with Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wife, and then he gives this analogy. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, so what Jesus has done for us, by washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. See, see marriage is a classic and primary example of what God had in mind when he created the church. Jesus is the bridegroom, you're the bride. And if Jesus loves you, and he's willing to die for you and serve you, 
shouldn't we do the same? How many are grateful when it comes to marriage that, that you have a relationship where you totally love, you're infatuated, you're committed to, you're just like every day you're so grateful for the relationship and nothing can get in the way of that relationship. It's like you protect it. It's the most important thing. Church isn't something you go to. It's not a building. It's a covenant relationship with God where we say, I'm going to give you my all, my everything. You are my husband. I'm going to just give my life to you. I'm going to serve you. You're my biggest priority. That is church. I mean, imagine me um, proposing to my wife and saying, baby, would you marry me? And she says, well, you know what? I really love you but there's a lot of other things I love. In fact, there's a lot of other people I love. And if, if we can come to some kind of an agreement, like um, maybe I'll be faithful 25 weeks out of the year, maybe 30 weeks out of the year, and maybe you just allow me to go do my own thing and be around my own people. and pro I've got all of these other things that are important to me in my life. If you would just let me do that, then maybe I'll marry you. How many guys would say, hey, I want a wife like that? <laughs> then why do we think? If we really look like, does church really matter? And if this is what church really is, don't you think that if Christ was willing to die for you and love you, that we should be willing to have the same kind of commitment to him as he does to us? Yeah. Pastor Mark, this is getting good. I, I just, no, come on, guys. As followers of Jesus, we, we, we've made a vow. When we say, Jesus, come and live inside of my life, it's like you've made a marriage covenant, a lifelong covenant. God, you're my God. Come on, everybody smile at me. Come on. Nudge your neighbor say, I think he's talking to both of us right now. Come on. It's just the church is a bride. Here's another one is the church is a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, I love this. Now you, Paul's personalizing this, you are what? The body of Christ and individual members of it. He's talking about like your body. You woke up this morning, you can't brush your teeth without your hand and you need your hand and they work together and your teeth, as you eat, you need to put your hand, put food in your mouth, you gotta chew, it begins to digest, you got intestines and stomachs and bowels and I mean just the whole nine yards working together to make you live. Every part is important. Amen. Ephesians 1.22 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. So as you sit here today, every single one of you are a part of his body. When he puts you into his family, he gave you gifts, talents, and abilities, and he made you a part. And if you're not doing your part, it's like dead weight. I woke up the other morning and I had slept on my, my hand all night and I woke up and it was like, anybody ever wake up and you're like, your hand's like dead asleep, you're just going. And, and I remember waking up and going, man, I, I can't brush my teeth, I can't even make coffee to make it come back to life and it's just kind of like, ah. And I had to shake it and find. Sometimes we're like that in church. We're just kind of like, we come in, we're just kind of like. It's like, what use is a dead arm? 
If we actually believe the church to be the body and we're a part of it, we've got to then recognize how God made us, where we function, and actually get going with our business. Can I hear an amen? Here's what Philip Kennison said. I love this. To be a Christian is inseparable from what it means to be the church. I'm just going to kind of slip in, slip out. Uh-uh. We're part of a body. That's the church. Here's the third thing that the word says about what the church is. The church is a temple. And I know it just gets a little quiet on this one. Paul, once again, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? That that he actually wants to make your heart his home? It's not like he's alongside of us or he's in front of us or behind us. He's like, he said, no, I want to dwell in you. And he says, and if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And listen to this. You are that temple. Anybody ever drink a gallon of gasoline? Anybody? Usually there's a few hands. I mean, just a, I, I mean, you think about that. It's like, I would never, that's like ridiculous. That's insane to even think, some, I'm going to drink gasoline? You'd never do it. Why? Because it would destroy your body. In a spiritual sense, why do we then ingest things that destroy our temple? We, we just got, you know, just being honest, and I feel a little, little confident this morning. We open up our phones and start looking at pornography as if some, you're destroying your temple. The things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the, the, the things that we're engaged in, involved in. He's saying, listen, your body's a temple. Not only individually, but as we come together and we worship like this morning on every campus. I know this morning here, it's just like the presence of God is here and he, he comes and he inhabits. He just doesn't come to be around. He comes to fill you and strengthen you. His presence wants to dwell in you. We're a temple. It's not a building. It's not an organization. Not hugging a tree. It's what God says the church is. Here's another one. The church is a family. I love Ephesians. I call it the church epistle, right? Ephesians chapter 2 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're not outcasts. When you came in, it says, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Your family. I, I, I... I heard on the radio the other day the song by Sister Sledge. We are family. He, right? Come on. Get up, everybody, and sing. We're family. This isn't something that you attend, something you're a part of. And if you're born into a family, you can't change your family. I don't tell my daughter, ah, you're no longer part of the family. We're part of a family. Listen, we serve together. We love each other. We're committed to each other. We put up with each other's stuff. We work through conflict together. We pray for each other. We cry with each other. We laugh with each other. Why? 
Because church is a family. Manna house. We're on a journey together. A church for the journey. People together called out on a journey. Together. Doing life together. It's one of the reasons why we do groups all the time. And and, and understand this. Groups are not the end. Groups are the means. Relationship is the end. But we use groups as a vehicle to get people together to do life together. And this morning on every campus other than Eugene, which will start in the fall, we have tables set up and we have connect group leaders, small group leaders, group leaders there that are there to help you activate relationship. If you're not in one, do me a favor, please get in one. Do life together. Why? Because that's church. It's not what we attend, it's where we belong. And so we do groups because we want to make sure that we're together strengthening relationships. Here's another one is that church is an army. An advancing community moving forward together. Jesus says it so clearly. He says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. He's trying to help us understand that since the beginning of time, there's been a war, kingdom of God versus kingdom of darkness. God wants to advance his kingdom forward, his church, you as a people. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. He wants you to thrive. He wants people to get saved. He wants the world to be transformed. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have this war. And so as we talk about this idea of fighting, we don't fight against and wrestle against carnality. We, we, we fight principalities and powers. And we do that by loving people, by serving people, by praying, by evangelizing. There's different tools that we've been given that we should be able to do. As we talked about Serve Day today, July 13th, we're going to come together with people all over the world, 50 states, 40 to 50 different nations, and we're going to go serve. What that means is we're going to march forward together to let a world know that there's a God that loves them. So we're an army. So when I stop and I think about it, and I look at those five attributes, suddenly I begin thinking, okay, church... The way I've been thinking about it maybe is just a little bit different than maybe what I remembered or what I'm thinking. And so so I went through and I just made these statements. I'm going to read them real quick, but I want you to see this. I wanted to answer the question, does church really matter? If, If this is what the church is, maybe we should look at the reasons why church matters. Here's the first one. Church matters because God says it does. He's God, you're not. And if he said it, he's probably right. So church matters because he says it does. Here's another one. Church matters because it reflects the image of Christ to the world. When we look at the chaos, we look at the injustice, the racism, the hatred, the violence. Don't you think that what the world needs to see is love and compassion and unity and care and forgiveness? 
That's when we come together to show them. Jesus said it best. He says, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Here's another one. Church matters because it's what Jesus loved most. And if he loved it most, shouldn't we also love it? If he's the bridegroom and we're the bride, shouldn't we love his bride? I I can't imagine saying to Pastor Walter Madison, hey, my wife and I would love to have you come over to dinner. Just make sure your wife doesn't come. You know, we love you, but we don't like Robin. I mean, he's going to go skip that. Well, it depends on the day maybe, but no, I'm teasing. (laughs) I'm teasing. That's, That's just a joke. And it's just so funny because sometimes people go, well, I really, I just really don't like the church. It's just like, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your bride. And how, how do we love him and not love his bride? And furthermore, if I could just be a little bit more smiling in this, when you say you don't like the church, you're saying, I don't like me because you are the church. I don't like that church. Well, I don't like me. He died for the church. Church matters is because he died for her. He not only loved her, but Christ, he died for her. Here's some practical ones. Write these ones down. Church matters because it will make me a better person. Come on, how many need to be a better you? Half the hands. Okay, that's good. How many need to be a better you, right? Statistics show that the more time you spend in the Word, in prayer, in groups, in worship, in serving, in giving, doing all the things that we're supposed to do as part of the body, you're just a better person. And it's interesting to say, if I want to be a better person, that maybe I need to be who God created me to be. Here's another word. Church matters because it will help me build right relationships. In a world filled with dysfunction, the best chance that you have for right relationships are in the church. That doesn't mean we're perfect, neither are you. But at least we have a running start that we have love as our goal, unity as our aim, and we're coming together to serve each other. You have a better chance of good relationships because you're part of the church. How many have some pretty good relationships in the church? Come on, wave at me. Come on, all campuses. The right's in the back corner of Eugene. Come on, wave at me right now. I need to see your hands. Come on. How about this one? Church matters because it will help me discover my purpose. Why are we here sucking air on planet Earth? 94% of people today can't identify the reason why they exist. We want to help you do that. That's why we do belong. We get you in and we have you walk through and we have you do gifts gifts tests and talents and abilities and passions and experiences and we help you try to find out how God made you so that you can fit to be able to fulfill your purpose in God. And I love this one. Church matters because it will help me to make a difference. How many want to be an average mundane person and never amount to anything? I mean, none of us. We're created to want to do great things, to to make life count. 
And I think about all the people on every campus. If I think about Ken Elliott and Jennifer Skurlock down at Eugene, and I think about the Orange um, with Craig over at at, uh, 217, and I think about um, just different people at different campuses. Think about Eunice McKinney downtown, and she's on the diversity team, and she's serving, and she's preaching. And I could go through hundreds and hundreds of names of people that are making a difference because... They're part of the church. Here's another one. Church matters because it will make my family better. You look at statistics today. Divorce rates, children, health of a marriage, even health of single people. Statistics show that families, marriages, and kids are better for those that are regularly engaged in church versus those that are not. That doesn't mean the challenges don't come. They do. But at least you have people around you to help you through those challenges. Come on, someone getting something out of this. Come on. I think about my life again. I always say Jesus saved my soul, but the church saved my life. Here's the last one here. Church matters because it will make the world a better place. The local church is the hope of the world. And when I say that, obviously, if we look at our theology, Jesus is the head, we're the body, together we're the church, so I'm not leaving Jesus out. The church is the hope of the world. All of the problems, the challenges, as Washington, D.C. and the world fights, all looking for answers, we have them. We have them. The Word of God has them. And so let me just, as we close today, and I'm going to pray. I thought about this. I said, okay, if this is what the church is, and this is why it matters, what do I need to do to make that happen? How do I make the church matter for me. So all eyes open, every campus, all heads up. I'm going to double dog dare you. Every one of you, whether this is your first time or you've been here 65 years to do these six things. Number one, attend services weekly. Don't make it an option. Show your kids, show your wife, husbands, this is a priority. Make it your aim. Show up early. Come to pre-service prayer. Engage. Be the church. Say, I'm going to give something. I'm just not going to get something. I want to engage. Can I hear an amen? Here's the next one. Belong. If you've attended and you haven't taken belong, start the journey. Get involved. Make the decision right now. Next week, bam, I'm in Belong. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally do it. I hear it every week. It's become like white noise. I'm going to do this. How about this one? Relate. If you're not in a group, get in one. If you don't like them, then start one. What would it look like if 100% of Manor House was engaged in life-giving, biblically-based, 
purpose-driven relationships. Well, I don't need it. Well, listen, some people around you might, so why don't you feed them instead of just, right? It's just like, if you're that confident and strong, then be the church to someone who needs the church in their life. How about this one, serve? Get on the dream team. If you're here and you serve, you're on any of the campuses and serve, thank you. Thank you for serving. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And if he did it, maybe we should do it. Here's another one. I'm going to say it with a big smile. Give. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Well, my heart's really not for the church. It's probably because your treasure's not there. Here's, this is real important. I'm just smiling as I say it. Everything that you have is his in the first place. Only 30% of the church actually ties, and then another few percent give regularly. It's like, be the church. Here's what I'd love to say. I, I double dog dare you of a 30-day tithe challenge. You don't tithe. Say, so I'm going to do it for 30 days, and if my life isn't better, not that that's a criteria to stop because he doesn't give you that option. I just want to get you going. Why not? Why not help build the church? Listen, if everybody tithe, we could do so much more of reaching people and actually being the church to a world that actually needs Jesus. And when we don't give, we're not the church. You're just not the church. Smile at me. Come on. This is good. He's making me smile so he can kick my teeth in. That's right. Come on. That's okay. And then reach. Go tell someone about Jesus. The reason we exist is to let the world know that there's a place they can find love, a place they can find hope, a place they can find life. The church are those that are called out not just from something, but for something. Let's go tell people Jesus loves them. Invite them to a service. Invite them to your group. Invite them to lunch. Make it your aim. Say, this week I'm going to find one person I can start praying for and that I can invite. Imagine what would happen if everybody saw one person saved in all of our services. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Can I pray for you? Do you bow your head, close your eyes on all campuses? Let me just pray. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, that you gave your life. You died for us. That you love us. You gave your all for us. Lord, we're so grateful that you've given us this wonderful privilege to be your bride, be your body, to be your temple, to be your family, to represent you as your army. God, these are wonderful privileges. Thank you that you looked down upon us and you gave us that privilege. Lord, today, let us not leave here the same way we came in. God, help us to not just go to church, but to be the church. 
We thank you for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just do one other thing as I disconnect and I'm gonna let the campus pastors take the different campuses. Can you just bow your head just for one more second? Thank you so much. I just wanna give an opportunity for, for just anybody that walked into any of our services, maybe you're listening online, and you recognize maybe you're in church, but maybe you don't have a relationship with the bridegroom, Jesus. And it's impossible to have anything else without first having him. The Bible tells us, this is so clear, is that we're, we're separated from God because of our sins. And the only way that you bridge that gap is by acknowledging the fact that you have sin in your life and that you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And it says that when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we believe in our heart, the Bible says we'll be saved, meaning that you begin to see a restoration of relationship between you and God. He gives you a new nature, a new identity. He allows you to be part of the kingdom. You get to spend forever, eternity with Jesus. It just starts with the reality that you need him. And if you're here this morning, um, would you do me a favor? With every head bow, eyes closed, just say, Pastor Mark, I, I need today Jesus in my life. Just hand up, just real quickly. Just hand up. All eyes are closed. So just put your hand up. Anyone at all today, just raise their hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. Anybody online, there's a little button that you can click. There's someone over here. Thank you so much. That's so awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Come on, anyone else at all? Lord, we thank you. Lord, your word says that all of the angels in heaven rejoice even when one soul is saved. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful person. Lord, those that are listening online, God, would you come? Would you help them on their journey in the mighty name of Jesus? Come on, put your